0: Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Rokan.
1: I'm Richard Roper. There's
0: trouble in the desert. Alec Baldwin's at the center of it. This is a crazy, crazy story.
1: Very sad tragedy uh, that broke uh, late last week. We're going to give you the latest uh, updates on it and uh, talk in general as well about uh, the risks that are taken on Movie Sets Row and on on television uh, productions as well. And And maybe this could have been avoided. We don't yet know it's going to play out, but we have a lot of uh, new information.
0: All right, we'll do that. But first, the digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that drives your overall business success, because they believe that today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started.
1: We are learning new details about what led to last Thursday's deadly incident on the set of the movie Rust. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins died after she was accidentally shot while rehearsing a scene in the Western film. The person who pulled the trigger was actor Alec Baldwin. He had been handed a prop gun, which he was told was safe, but investigators believe it was loaded with a live round.
0: This tragedy that occurred in New Mexico late last week is not unique in the history of filmmaking, people do get injured, people do get killed on film sets, people have been accidentally shot on film sets before. But this one seems completely random to me.
1: There have been, unfortunately, you know, a series of tragedies. Not that frequent, Row, but one is far too many. And sometimes that has involved um the the discharge of a gun with blanks so we're going to get into that brandon lee of course uh, on the set of a, a crow movie and he was the son of bruce lee there was an actor by the name of john eric huxham who uh, was killed tragically again with a gun that had a blank so i know people know the story but just to reiterate the movie was called rust and it's a western film and a smaller film that they were doing in in and around santa fe new mexico Alec Baldwin was the big name on the film, also a producer on the film, which is Mm -hmm. going to be something that will be, uh, you know, I'm sure brought into play as the days and weeks go by. And they were getting ready to shoot a scene and Alec Baldwin was handed a gun and told it was a cold gun, meaning it did not have any ammunition and um, fired it. He was doing a kind of a certain kind of a move and uh, the director... Joel Souza, and the cinematographer, Elena Hutchins, were right there. It's almost one of those you know, shots where the actor seems to be almost pointing the gun at the camera, right, you know, straight out. You've seen that in and a this million. this was in a rehearsal. Episodes. This was, yeah, getting ready to shoot the scene. And unfortunately, there was a discharge. We don't know yet if it was live ammunition or a blank, which can be deadly, but even though both have been reported at this point. Yeah. Yeah. there still seems, and there's been, you know, the LA times now reporting on the subpoena that gets into the details. It was this kind of cross move where you reach across your body to pull the gun out, which is something you see more in Westerns than you'd see in real life. And tragically this, you know, this gifted cinematographer and family person and mother was pronounced dead. You know, what did not survive this. So the director is, is looks like it's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, just shocking news, Ro, because we've talked about, okay, you know, there have been these tragedies before, and there certainly have been some involving stunt performers. And there was a movie years ago, John Landis directed a segment of The Twilight Zone, which was an anthology series of episodes based on the television show in which Vic Morrow and two children were killed on the set. That was a helicopter mishap. Uh, we had a terrible incident here in Chicago, one of the Transformers movies where a stunt went wrong. Uh, we've heard about big stars from Tom Cruise to Hugh Jackman and others. Uh, uh, Daniel Craig in the latest Bond right. movie sustained injuries. Actually, in the injuries. first
0: Bond movie right. and in his last Bond movie, both injured.
1: But I can't recall, and I haven't been able to find anything, where a famous actor actually had the gun in his hand that discharged, resulting in the death of this of this woman and the the injury to the man. To, you know, so the cinematographer... Killed the director injured. You know, early on, I saw what I thought were just completely unfair and really odious headlines saying Alec Baldwin kills cinematographer as if there were some sort of intent. Nothing like that has been established or even intimated. This was a horrible accident.
0: Like everything else that happens in today's environment, social media and the politics of the day drive everything. Mm -hmm. So there were people applauding. The death of this woman at the hands of Alec Baldwin because it made him look bad.
1: Freud about Alec Baldwin. And right. We're going to get into that a little bit as well. You're right. And I did see, um, I, I, I give credit if I could remember, but one of my fellow film critics, uh, the, the night of or the morning after said, it's incredible how so many people have become instant experts when it comes to onset safety, just like they became instant experts about vaccinations and viruses, <laughs> where they read two things and they go, "Well, I don't understand," so I'm going to jump to this conclusion right. instead of letting the facts play out. Let the investigators. Alec Baldwin, of course, is you know devastated by this and is cooperating, and there you know there will be ongoing investigations into this. Uh, what we have seen and heard from legitimate reporting is that there's an, an armorer that's on these sets who handles the weapons. And um, it's different from a prop master. The prop master doesn't always or usually handles the we- handle the weapons. And from all the reports, we're told that the armorer gave the gun to the first assistant director, which is unusual and not the normal protocol. It usually goes straight from the armorer, the weapons expert, into the hands of the actor. Now, I'm not saying that means that the middle person there is negligible or culpable, but that's one of the first signs that this was unusual. We heard about the crew being overworked. There was talk of people walking off the set. This is a low-budget movie, Row, so it didn't yeah. maybe have all of the safety protocols in place that you'd get on a huge budget film.
0: That, that's a very important point because people think that there are hard and fast rules in businesses that they're not a part of, although they see that there are no hard and fast rules in the businesses that they are a part of, Mm -hmm. they assume that everybody else's business must be good. And that's really not the case. And show business can be just as shoddy and dangerous a work environment as you could imagine for some people because – it depends on the kind of production as you're pointing out depends on whether there are unions union stewards those kinds of people that are at these yeah. film sites yep. not that it doesn't always guarantee anything but it just does change the professionalism of the production generally so the, it, one would think that this had to be uh, you know again a fluke and i i, I just don't really fully understand it I, my assumption is and again We're going off very little detail here. And at the risk of sounding like all the people on social media who think they know what they're talking about here when they don't, I just want to make a couple observations Mm -hmm. about how this could or could not work. I've gone through a law enforcement academy. I've been arms trained, weapons trained. I'm a marksman or whatever the hell they call you after you hit the target once. This is a different kind of weapon than you normally see now. This would be an antiquey... 1800s yeah, based that, weapon. That's a great
1: point because this is a western. Alec Baldwin actually is playing a grandfather whose grandson is involved in an accidental shooting, and is going to try to make things right. So we saw pictures that he posted on Instagram. It was a western, so it's an old timey, 19th century yeah. revolver. It wasn't right. a modern uh, weapon. So
0: and and when people say uh, you know that they have these these stunt weapons on a set, they don't. If, if it's a weapon that fires it's an actual it's
1: a gun it's not a prop gun that's that's the misnomer. where right. you're correct
0: right yeah. so this this was a real revolver either an antique revolver or a mm. modern revolver made to look antique right yeah so it would have fired an actual casing it would have fired an actual round whatever it was a 45 I'm assuming is what it would have been that's mm. kind of that's what those big old frame guns look like so I don't understand how a live round could have gotten in there. There shouldn't be live rounds on the set. And they're not saying it is a live round, but I also can't imagine the kind of blank round that is used, which is basically a live round with the full metal projectile taken out of it. The
1: tip. Right. right of the bullet itself, the bullet, yeah. itself. The bullet it that comes still out has um, gunpowder. Correct, the blank yes. usually does. So
0: yeah. there's the cartridge, and then okay. there's the bullet. Let's All just right. look at it that way. There's two pieces okay. to whatever that's going to be. So the bullet is this, and you know, let's just call it for the sake of this mm-hmm. conversation, brass. This you know, this brass rocket-looking thing that's at the very end of the cartridge. So this is an actual cartridge mm-hmm. that would be in. A live weapon there would be a bullet which is that rockety looking thing on the end and that's jammed into the cartridge itself there's gunpowder and then there is the end of that bullet if you will that gets struck by the hammer of the revolver and that then creates the explosion that throws the projectile forward okay now in a blank situation in a movie you'd have a similarly Calibered cartridge that mm-hmm. you would put into the gun, whether it was revolver or automatic or whatever it was, and that would fire out, but it doesn't fire a projectile. It basically fires either a piece of cotton, piece of paper, piece of wax, yes. piece of plastic that is holding the gunpowder in that cartridge. And they have different effects on some of these that will create a you know a more uh, blasty-looking... A muzzle flash
1: and give right. the actor a recoil. So the actor feels... Because to your point too, Roe... Now, Alec Baldwin has been around for a long time, but they say, you know, from what I've talked to people who have worked in this field, some actors are much more comfortable than others handling weapons. Prop guns is the term that keeps being used, but, you know, real weapons and others are not, and some of them get more training than others because you want that realism, you know. and, And somebody like Alec Baldwin has been around for a long time, you know, you believe him as this old Western character holding a gun, he's been holding guns in movies for 40 years. Um, And you mentioned this, you know, this, this idea that, you know, it still has a flash and it still has a recoil and it can still cause harm. And that's the other discussion, you know, is, is this all really necessary on the mayor of East town, the acclaimed HBO series, apparently everything was done in post-production and not to get too much into the technical weeds, but they say, you know, things that are shot for television, it's easier to kind of add the special effects after the fact where if you're doing something on the, for the big screen, you know, and super, super, you know, whether it's a yeah. 3D or IMAX or, you know, top-level visual, it sometimes doesn't look realistic if you add all that in post-production. So they want it to look and feel as if these characters are really handling modern or ancient weapons.
0: Right. And there are, even in weapons training for the military and for law enforcement and all the other, they, there are rubber guns. There are fake guns that feel mm-hmm. have the exact same weight of the, the gun that they're supposed to replicate. And they're used for a lot of different things in training. So it seems to me that having that on a movie set would be a safer alternative and then you put all the digital effects in later and you can, it, it could be in a much safer environment. But, I I just, again, I go back to this, time will tell, this will all come out, but there's something that just doesn't seem right to me, because I do not know how a live round could have possibly gotten put into that gun and especially you go back to the brandon lee situation then Mm -hmm. you know you go back into the 1980s and uh, where the other guy was killed and one of those was actually being killed by the wad by the cotton wad because it was placed up to the temple and that when that came out it hit exactly at the right angle on the skull that created this Mm. brain bleed which killed the actor so that can happen but you would not have that happen in this situation. You would not have two people hurt, it doesn't seem to me, by the same
1: projectile. Uh, uh, it makes the loss of life that much more tragic because we feel this could have been prevented. And as we have been cautioning, because Ro and I were brought up in the world of news, in print and radio and television, and want to make sure that we're not making accusations or suppositions or assumptions that you know haven't been borne out by the facts. But we do have bona fide reporting about problems on this set, including... Alec Baldwin's stunt double accidentally firing two rounds Saturday after be t- being told the gun was cold, and they said it didn't appear it was cold. So, again, there are more questions than answers, Ro. Um, this is just horrific. And and for folks who don't know, too, because people would ask me about this location, um, this ranch in Santa Fe, uh, this is actually a very famous – it's almost if you saw the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which combined that – in fiction but they had the spawn ranch right? right which was a real working ranch for years and this is the same kind of thing this is a, a real working ranch in santa fe new mexico where movies from butch cassidy and the sundance kid through the cowboys a john wayne film from 1972 all the way up through you know modern day movies uh, 310 to Yuma, the remake in 2007. Tons of big, big productions have been there. So it's not, again, we don't know all the details, but it's not like, oh, they were just on some ranch that's never handled the movie production. That's what that ranch does. They have 200 cattle, and the, the owner famously said, if we don't get movie production, then the cattle become dinner. So it's a working ranch, just like the Spawn Ranch was for a long time, and then right. it became something, unfortunately, very different. And people um,
0: should also know that New Mexico is a huge yes. movie-making, television-making state. Doesn't get talked about a lot, but there are big facilities. In New Mexico, exactly for this purpose, and there yeah. are professionals who live in New Mexico yes. who work on these shows. Breaking Bad is a perfect example. There was a lot of gunplay in Breaking oh my Bad. My gosh,
1: yes, and and of course, Better Call Saul. And you know, you and I have talked about this. That's in Albuquerque, which is I don't know an hour plus away from Santa Fe, but it's New Mexico, and there's a lot of stuff that's done. Everything's an hour two. from everything in New Mexico. Yeah, and um, I did a lot of work there for the Reels Channel because I had to be on New Mexico soil for them to get the tax break involved. That's why the Reels Channel moved from L.A. to uh, Albuquerque, and we were on the same lot. The Albuquerque studios are incredible. I mean, they have studios so large that when they shot one of the Terminator movies there, they could do helicopter scenes inside one of the studio terminals. It's that big. Um, And I remember somebody telling me, a producer telling me, the reason why so many films and TV shows love that new mexico terrain is because you can set anything in the old west you can set it two thousand years ago or you can set it in the future right because it has that you know that wonderfully bleak landscape and that's one of the things when you look back at breaking bad how it's such a beautifully shot and i mean you know in terms of the photography uh but yeah there have been all kinds of productions there and this is as far as i know the first time there's been any accident of this magnitude at this particular ranch uh, so ne- this is where we're at now. They've suspended production on the movie, of course. Now, the producers, they're saying they haven't make- made a decision. You know, I-, I don't usually like to make decisions for people, but you know what? Don't fucking finish this movie. This movie, you know, you were in the middle of shooting a movie, which is a violent Western, and Alec Baldwin's going to be holding a gun. You're never going to get past that. You- you're never going to get a release pattern for this. It was a smaller film, and it's just not the right thing to do. You know, it's very different if we were, you know, somebody was working on a film and the star died in the last few days and they still want to do it as a tribute or the cinematographer had passed away of old age or something like that, but when you have a tragedy of this magnitude, cut your losses. Okay. You know, have respect for what happened.
0: I'm going to give you a counter-argument to that. But first, Portillo's. They are known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun. And of course, the legend itself, the chocolate cake. If you are hearing this right now, that means you are alive and you are near a computer. Go to Portillo's.com and check out their entire selection of stuff that you can get anywhere in the United States of America. If you are blessed enough to live near a Portillo's, then you don't have to worry about going online. Just go to the store, go get the hot dogs, go get the Italian beef, go get the salads, the chicken. They got It's all great. But the chocolate cake is is the single greatest item of all chocolate cake items in the history of humanity. Am I overstating that? (laughs) I am not. I am not. You go and you find out yourself. Order it online, go to a store, or if you really want to try something totally unique, the Cake Shake. They take the cake and they smush it (laughs) into a can with the i don't know what else it is i guess ice cream and some other stuff and then they put it in the blender you know how they do that where they take that canish looking cup and they put it up into the blender next thing you know (laughs) it comes out and they put a cookie on the straw and you're like oh my god this is the greatest thing that ever happened this is a warning to diabetics it may not be perfect for you but for everybody else (laughs) it is the greatest thing you could possibly have go to portillo's.com find a location near your order online P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S, portillos.com. That is from the delicious to the sublime here. But Mm. we were talking about the business of movie making, and we're talking about this movie Rust and whether it should come out now that there's been this tragedy on the set, right? Mm. Okay, you make the argument that there should not be a release of this film or they shouldn't finish this film because people are just going to be grossed out by it. I think it would actually garner a far larger audience now than it would have under any other circumstance. There will be this kind of macabre, this is just the way these things happen, Mm. kind of uh, market around this. And I I doubt they would market to it, but they would get it. So Hollywood is show business. It is not show morals, Mm. obviously. And that's Mm. something that I could easily see the producers who already have their money invested in this. Now, you did mention earlier that Alec Baldwin is one of the producers of this. Correct. I will say that for Alec Baldwin's career and trajectory and you know the rest of how he has to spend his life, it is not in his best interest to release this. He should eat it himself because this is something that people will always then remember him for. They may not remember him for this two or three years from now. You know, The American memory can be very short when it comes to tragedies like this. But if the movie did come out, it would prolong that and then remind everybody of it. And then people would accuse Alec Baldwin of cashing in on it. So ultimately, you're right. But I don't believe that ultimately that will be the path.
1: And I don't know how deep they were. I don't think they were that deep into the making of the movie. So there's also, and again, you're right. I mean, this is crass, but there are financial considerations. But Alec Baldwin, 68 years old, he's had an amazing career Uh, And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of his off camera exploits (laughs) and how that's all played into things. But I think at heart he's a good man. He does, and he wants to do the right thing. And he wants to do right by the family. He attended a private memorial service. And I think he has the clout and the money to make this go away. Now, you talked at the top of this podcast, Roe, about how some people have reacted with absolute glee to this news, including Republican congresspersons and Donald Trump. Trump Jr., who is selling T-shirts right now for twenty seven dollars and ninety nine cents that say "Guns don't kill people, Alec Baldwin kills people," and he's been, you know, and he defended it, saying, "You know, if this had been the other way, here's here's what here's what Donald Trump Jr. said for those who are out there doing the fake sanctimony about leaving Alec Baldwin alone. Let's all remember that Alec Baldwin would be the first person." Pissing on everyone's grave if the shoes were on the other foot. Screw him. Well, screw you, Donald Trump Jr. Because, you, first of all, to say I'm a piece of shit, but he'd also be a piece of shit is some way to defend yourself and your lack of character. That's (laughs) That's, what he's saying. That's true. He's saying, you know, I could be an asshole because I think he'd be an asshole. Now, Alec Baldwin, I will not defend his behavior in many instances over the years. And, yes, he's ultra-liberal and he's gone after the Trump family. But we're talking about a woman's life here. Right. And Donald Trump Jr. is capitalizing on this and laughing about it just so he can get digs in at Alec Baldwin. And listen, I don't. for all the things Alec Baldwin has said and done, I don't believe that he would actually jump on the death of someone at the hands of a Republican opponent by accident and... And exploit it and sell T-shirts. We don't know that, but to use that as your defense—that what whataboutism, thats what at its worst, bro.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you on that. I Donald Trump Jr. does not strike me as exactly a, the kind of guy that you wouldn't not want to punch at a cocktail party, right? I mean, I I would imagine that there have been a lot of times that he just says
1: things uh, that
0: in, in his own way, because it's sort of like you know, where did you come from, Jr.?
1: Well, point right? to anything. Point to anything. Of note, accomplishment, or decency that man has ever done in his life. I, I, I will, uh, I'll keep the emails open for that. Uh, and just to... <laughs> his
0: dad used to... Remember in 2015 when his dad was running for president, his dad used to make fun of him while he was on the campaign trail well, and, you know, about and his, him going out and shooting an Okapa somewhere.
1: And, you know, his father just reacted to the death of Colin Powell by saying that all of a sudden the media is lionizing this guy and, and Trump took that opportunity to criticize him and say, I hope they're this nice to me. So, you know, there's a rotten apple and there's a rotten tree there. Um, and I will just, you know, just so we can, we're going to move on in our next podcast. We're going to talk about the sports and movies and stuff. And I appreciate everybody hanging here with us, but I will say this, and this is completely trivial compared to everything we've talked about, but one of your favorite shows of all time, Curb Your Enthusiasm, just returned for its eight millionth season you know whenever larry david decides he's gonna do a a show and it just premiered last sunday night the first episode with albert brooks playing albert brooks uh, who decides he wants a funeral for himself while he's still alive so he can watch it john Hamm is on there but and this is the the genius of larry david too um you know because obviously this is an hbo show but uh larry and his manager jeff who's played by our good friend jeff garland In the premiere episode of this season, Larry and his manager, Jeff, are going to pitch a show. Larry wants to pitch a show about his early days when he's in his early 20s and he's working as a chauffeur in New York City and trying to make it as a stand-up comic. And they go to Netflix, which obviously cooperated with the production of this. They go to the Netflix headquarters to pitch the show. We see the giant Netflix logo, and they're meeting with an executive whose name is Donald Jr. And Larry says to Jeff, this poor guy. That name's ruined for everybody from all time. Can you imagine being a Donald Jr. in this world? And that's just, you know, that's Larry. you know, Larry David, he's very liberal himself, and he does not go super political on that show. But and there's also a... Uh, they make a, fun of him when he yeah. is
0: political or... Uh, when his wife was political you know they were
1: <laughs> well yeah, <laughs> were, you know, yeah been, Cheryl because yeah. Cheryl was like his real life uh, now ex-wife very much into the yeah. environment right? yeah yeah so um, I, I
0: mean uh, you have to take that show I, I think that's one of those that crosses over the political boundary in America yeah. I like, think if you're a curmudgeon, you're a curmudgeon for the right or the left, you love Larry David yeah because you really identify with him because he's just angry and uncomfortable
1: with everything. And they do have so much fun with it. Ted Danson, who's, by all accounts, the loveliest man in the world, plays an asshole version of himself <laughs> on that show. And at one point made a big donation. And Larry made an equally big donation, right, for a wing yes. in the hospital. And it was, like, donated by Ted Danson. And he's like, that's not anonymous. you know. And then he's mad about that. So we're just trying to end on a note of levity here, not to make light at all. Yeah, no. Uh, this terrible tragedy. Unfortunately, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this again because there are going to be further developments. Um but just just, uh, you know, Ro and I have worked, as I mentioned, in radio and television and uh, now podcasting for many, many years. And we like to talk about entertainment and pop culture. But we've many, many times seen the worlds of entertainment and tragedy intersect. And we have lot, to talk yeah. about things that, like this as well.
0: The Roan Rubber Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Our executive producers, Tim Malenius, Renee Nelson, Demita Menezes is our production director. We'll see you next time.